Well, welcome along, everybody, to the Neither Here Nor There podcast Christmas special. It's episode 19. It's December the 19th, 2023, <laughs> at the time of recording. And Christmas is on the horizon. I'm Stephen Kilby, and alongside me, as always, is um, my best friend and amazing travel companion, Daniel Greer. How are you, Daniel? I'm good. I'm good. I'm talking to my best friend, too, so it's it's good to be doing this before Christmas. We're going to finish out the year, and this is the last episode of 2023. We started this back in, what, March or April, and here we are closing out the, the first year, and then we'll be at the one-year anniversary of the podcast soon. So, uh, also, to those listening, we're recording this for the first time on Skype. So hopefully this will mean that uh, the quality of the audio will be much better and there'll be less feedback. Uh, we know that in our episodes of the past, there have been some issues with that. So hopefully that issue is resolved. And yeah, I'm otherwise I'm good. I'm good. I'm winding down the year um, with work and, you know, we've got some long weekends coming up and that sort of thing. But I'm probably not doing as well as you are. And I know that we're going to talk about that in this episode as well. So Christmas, your trip to New York, and then reflections on 2023 are uh, the topics for today. Um, so, yeah, uh, shout outs. Shall we do the shout outs first or what do you think? Let's, yeah, let's go for it. Let's go for it. OK, so apparently uh, that last top three, bottom three, Brian sent that in not his brother-in-law oh well uh thanks brian for that that was a good one uh but our plea to the audience is please send us other people please send us in topics and things to discuss we'd like to have some different people do it too we appreciate brian's um topics and top three bottom three but if you have one on your mind feel free to contact us as well because we'd love to hear from you Yes, no, exactly. We've got Instagram, we've got neither here nor there pod at gmail.com. Don't be afraid to get in touch. And if you have our mobile numbers, we'll always take the call when it comes to podcasting. Well, and, for uh, most yeah, of the you, people. <laughs> you already sound better on Skype. You, yeah, you already do too. sound better. It's uh it's a brave new world, but your southern dulcet tones have never sounded more delicious, might I say. Oh. That's funny. I didn't realize you had an English accent till we started doing this on Skype. So that's, that's a surprise. Now, now, Daniel, we all know I don't have an accent. That's how it works. Remember? You have the accent. <laughs> um, fact of the fortnight. I think we both have one, but I, I wanted to share this interesting one that I came across on uh, Wikipedia when I was looking up something a couple of weeks ago. So um, my fact of the fortnight for the episode is. Francis Preston Blair, that's a great name, by the way, Francis Preston Blair, very, very official sounding gentleman, isn't it? Um, mm -hmm. He was one of the founders of the Republican Party, one of the two main parties in the United States. And uh, along with Abraham Lincoln, he founded the party, I guess it would have been in the 1850s. Uh, he was actually, believe it or not, and this is something that we never learned in school, he was born in my hometown, the same place I was born. He was born in Abingdon, Virginia, one of the founders of the GOP, um, which, you know, it's like I went to school, public school in that town. Why did we never learn that uh, a very prominent figure in U.S. history and politics was born in our hometown? That's 
the U.S. education system in a nutshell, I guess. <laughs> but um, but yeah, he was one of the founders, and actually his house is in Washington, D.C. It's called the Blair House. It's still a structure to this day, and it's used by prominent foreign dignitaries on state visits. So, you know, when prominent people from the UK come to visit, you know, I guess even maybe the prime minister, uh, they stay at the Blair house in Washington, DC. Hmm. So fun fact there. Um, that's where rabbit holes on the internet will get you sometimes. So that's, that's my fact. So it's not named after Tony Blair then that's, that's crushingly disappointing. Yeah. You know, maybe there's some relation, but the, he's a Francis Preston, uh, Blair, the Prestons were, and still are, I guess, a pretty prominent family in Southwest Virginia. They were some of the first settlers, so he must have been related to that, you know, family being uh, his middle name. So, um, you know, very interesting. Uh, and he was buddies with mm. Abraham Lincoln, so that's pretty cool. Um, mm. When uh, when you're prime minister of the UK, people can say that Daniel Greer, born in Abingdon, Virginia, was buddies with Stephen Kilby. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I know. Well, all right, what's your fact? Let's hear it. So my fact comes from uh direct from the source. So during um my trip to New York, we went to Ellis Island, the little federally owned um island close to the Statue of Liberty, which was used to process immigrants between I think it was eighteen ninety two and nineteen fifty four. So you know, it, it, a long time is like the gateway to America for so many people looking for the American dream, essentially. Um, and during the tour of the of Ellis Island, we did like an audio tour for a few hours when we were there. Um, one of the fact the fact that I found most interesting was so there were there was about 12 million people who um, came through the doors at Ellis Island to become immigrants to the US. And I'll ask you the question before telling you the answer. And do you, uh, you might know the answer, but of those 12 million, what percentage of the people who turned up on Ellis Island would you guess actually were granted um, residency and allowed to pass through the doors and begin living life in America? What percentage? Oh, very, very few. Um... I would say, I think I've I've heard that before that most got turned away, but the actual percentage of ones that became citizens or permanent residents, right? Um, I well, gosh. So, so what? So so I'm I'm saying everybody who wasn't. So basically, what percentage of people weren't turned away and sent back to their co own country? Uh, let's say probably between twenty and thirty percent were actually allowed to stay massively incorrect daniel this is why it's such a surprise 98 percent of people who turned up on ellis island got through really wow that yep. that's surprising literally two in every hundred wow given and, that and yeah and a lot of that was down to medical um examinations so basically when you turned up on this island for people who don't know you would usually turn up on on a boat having you know been on your travels for weeks coming from wherever you were in the world to either come and join relatives who had already been there or start a new life afresh you turn up at this island that's this sort of self-contained island was where you were processed and it could take 
weeks or maybe months that you'd be cooped up there. But essentially, you would come through the doors with all your luggage, and then you would get processed by a set of various tests. And from the moment you walked in, you were being monitored in some way. So they might try and pick out people early on if they thought they had a major illness or a disability or something contagious or something, any reason they could find for the moment you walked in the door to sort of take you in for questioning, they would immediately come and like mark your clothing with chalk and give you like, you know, different symbols meant different things. But essentially a lot of people who were turned away were turned away either because they were significant, or they were severely mentally ill or because they had a trachoma. So they would do a lot of eye tests. So you'd have doctors basically studying people's eyes and and apparently trachoma was one of the leading reasons that people weren't allowed in because it was seen as something they didn't want spreading around um, the US. But it is surprisingly high and it really did shock me, actually, that it was 98%. Um, but yeah, fascinating tour, an amazing museum. They've preserved that place so well. You, next time you're there, Daniel, in New York, it's 100% worth doing Carolyn absolutely loved it as well it's, and it, the audio tour is really good there's so much reading to do and so many rooms to visit but it's all kept you know pretty much as was when it closed um, and just a fascinating place to sort of find out more about you know people starting afresh and trying to live the American dream at a, a really fascinating period of time so yeah 98% that's the stat for you Daniel. I'm shocked that it's that high. That's interesting. And I do need to do Ellis Island. I'm sure I'll be back in New York City one day. But um, I guess an addendum to your fact, I have no known ancestors that went through Ellis Island. Um, many, many, many Americans can claim Ellis Island as a starting point for their ancestry. You know, ancestry is a big deal in the United States. But I, I have no known ancestors that came through Ellis Island um, I believe all, most if not all of my ancestors were already in the States well before, when did you say it opened? 18... 1892, oh, I think yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah, wait, I mean, it would have been 16, 1700s, and at the latest, 1800. Would have been when the people I'm descended from came to America, which is unique, you know, because I meet a lot of people who have much more traceable ancestry than me. So uh, that's a good fact. That's a good fact. And I guess we can probably just jump in. Well, do you have any more thoughts, like quick thoughts to open up before we jump into your trip to New York and then Christmas? Yeah. So um, I finished Needful Things. I've done 10 books this year, a, a lowly 10. I'm closing in on my target of 12. Um, just wanted to have a few, share a few thoughts on that. Really good book. Really enjoyed it. The second second Stephen King novel I've read this year. Um, really interesting book about a proprietor at Castle Rock, this sort of fictional town, who is essentially essentially sells bric-a-brac. Um, and the whole purpose of the book is that everybody who comes into the shop spots something that they effectively can't leave without because it's got some sentimental value or it's valuable in, in you know various other ways and he sells it to them for a tiny amount of money but 
in return they must do something for him and the whole mm. book is about what he sends people off to do and playing tricks on other people and just generally causing chaos in this small town so it's a really good like love letter to small town america in in many ways um but it i thought it was going to be more of a horror and more of like a thriller but actually it turned out to be like a dark comedy which i think i said to you on the phone the other day it surprised me the kind of genre was a bit jar- jarring because it kind of went off on a tangent that i didn't expect it to later <laughs> on the ending was a bit slightly underwhelming um it just it kind of ran out of steam is the best way to describe it where it built up to this crescendo and the payoff just wasn't quite good enough to make me satisfied at the end but overall a really fun book it just didn't need to be 950 pages long it could have been 500 and and got the point across because so much of it is about really long descriptions of people going into the shop and buying an item (laughs) <laughs> and it's over and over again. So there's loads of characters. It's like Game of Thrones. I mean, every time I picked it up, I had to remind myself who everybody was. But a really good book. And so since then, I've started reading Shawshank Redemption, which is so much smaller. It's 100, 140 pages, I think, um, the copy that I've got. So I'm trying to get my stats up, trying to get 12. And, oh, my God, I can't put it down, Daniel. I read I read half of it in pretty much one sitting last night. <laughs> at like two o'clock in the morning and i genuinely you've been there before i'm sure most weeks but it's rare that i come across fiction like this that grabs me to the point where i'm consider i'm there at two o'clock in the morning wondering if i can finish it before 4 a.m can i just <laughs> i know that this? feeling can i justify having four hours sleep and can i get for a day of work if i finish this off because it got to the point where i was laying there wired and i couldn't I was like, I can't even sleep now. I'm just usually reading puts me to sleep or, you know, if I'm drowsy, it finishes me off. But, oh, my God, you've read Shawshank Redemption, haven't you? And I think reading your review of it on Goodreads, you liked it. Perhaps not as much as I'm going. I'm enjoying it now. But God, he can write, can't he? Yeah, it's really just this. It's not like it's the most riveting story ever. It's just the way it's written. The, yeah, the, the prison exactly. life it's so fascinating reading about a fictional prison and obviously the movie's phenomenal but it's been so long since i've seen the film i don't remember the ending so actually it's going to come as a surprise whatever because i haven't seen the film oh, for over decades, but, you, you but, don't yeah. remember the ending wow yeah no it's no it's I've, I've only seen it once and actually i really want once i've read it i want to read watch it again because i know carolyn's not seen it and just i know oh, it's wow. an, an amazing film but i've just seen it once and so I'm actually really looking forward to watching it again. But yeah. just, it's awesome. It's really good. Um, it, it is. It's, it's, a, it's a good one. And it's a novella. It's I think it's a part of his collection of short stories. And then that one being the longest in the collection. I think it's in Four Seasons, which... Um, okay. Which I've got actually, it as a separate book. Yeah, I think just due to the popularity, they published it separately. Because, you know, the movie's just so phenomenal. Um, it's like the number one rated movie on IMDb. Yeah, uh, has been for for like a decade, isn't it? It's that oh, yeah. and the Godfather duking it out. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's amazing. So, yeah. so yeah, I've started reading that, and then the only other thing I wanted to mention on that front was I finished the remake of Dead Space on um, Xbox earlier today, and Dead Space for those people who don't play video games is like a sci-fi horror game about and there's so much to it like this 
the lore of it is just fascinating. But it was a game that came out in like 2007, 2008, around that time. And I didn't play it at the time. Um, and I've always threatened to play it. And then when they announced they were doing a full remake of it, I was like, I'll just wait until it comes out again. And I'm so glad I waited. It's so good. It's like not a particularly long game, but it's scary. It makes you think. The general story of it is fascinating. And the more you read and the more you read like through the text logs and listen to audio logs as you're walking around this ship, just completely captivated me from start to finish. And the ending of that is amazing as well. But essentially, that's a, uh, a game about um set in like the far future where there's space travel readily available um and essentially you're part of a crew of miners who turn up to investigate this planet cracking ship which has turned up on a planet which you they use these ships to mine for resources because there was nothing left on earth and so humans now effectively go around the galaxy using these specialist ships to if, yeah just mine resources from other planets and they investigate the ship and turn up and find that everybody's dead basically huh. and and there's um there's some sort of parasite or some sort of um alien life form lurking around that's turned people into these sort of um oh what's the name kind of splicery type things but it's so much more than that you think when you're going into it that it's just a very simple sort of aliens have turned up, killed a load of people, and you're just basically hunting aliens. But it ends up as this really deep, well-thought-out story about age-old religions, and um, there's a massive twist at the end, and it's just, oh, so good. If you love your sci-fi and you love your horror and, and you've got a means to play it, the Dead Space remake was just everything i wanted sitting next to the christmas tree in the darkness um at one o'clock in the morning just phenomenal so much fun i've never even heard of it um but oh, so I, it was really popular at the time when it came out you know i've completely stopped stopped gaming um i've just been focusing on other things probably my chief hobby you know is of course reading and i've really 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 been pushing myself to read even more lately especially this the last quarter and some change of the year so um but i come i go in ways with things like that like sometimes i want a game sometimes i want to read some you know so i kind of go through cycles with it but it sounds sounds awesome sounds like an awesome oh, game. you would you would love it and it takes about 10 hours to finish and every second of the game is well thought out there's no padding there's no there's no sections of it where you think, oh, God, why am I doing this? This is really passive or boring. Just the atmosphere, the ship itself that you're exploring, trying to work out what's happened is a character in itself. It's just the lights laid out. The the lighting is phenomenal. Just it it really does have you on the edge of your seat while you're playing it. And it's just it's so much fun. Really, mm. really fun. Good, good. Um trying to think if if there's anything of note on that front worthy of me to say but i think you just gave a pretty good rundown of the thing you definitely sold it um you know and sounds interesting for sure um 
Yeah. Didn't you have another thing to open up with or or not? No, I think I think that well, I mean I could go into talking about certain aspects of the trip to New York, but that's about it for me in terms of opening thoughts. Okay. I'll I'll open up real quick and then I want you to well actually probably part of your New York trip, which we keep teasing about will be part of your reflection on this year. But I figured, you know, with this being the last episode we're doing of 2023, it's kind of a shame we're not doing like a Christmas and then a New Year's episode, but it's just the way the calendar falls this year. Um, I figured I would take a minute or two to just reflect on 2023. Um, And it's kind of shocking, you know, like not even a year ago, my life was in a completely different place. I was uh, at the 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 company I've been with for my entire professional career and then here you know closing out the year I'm well into a job with a you know with my new employer um so that was a big change in March uh, nine months ago and you know this year has been really good on that front I mean job wise has been great um I've spent a lot of time with friends and family this year um New cities I've been to, you know, I went to Liverpool with you and your dad. That was a new place to check off the list. And then I went to Memphis, Tennessee for the first time, actually twice this year. So that was another place to check off. Um, Next year is certainly shaping up to be a very busy year with travel and just with things to do. Um, But yeah, you know, looking back on 2023, it's almost like a Russian novel for me, being that it was just kind of like all encompassing of life in general. There were a lot of highs and there were a lot of lows of this past year for sure. For me, usually, you know, I'm pretty, pretty rock steady, um, with life. I'm pretty even killed. Not much bothers me. Um, I have it pretty good, so to speak, and I still do. And maybe, you know, now I have it better than I ever have with just career and where that's going and, you know, just support system and that sort of thing. But I will say that 2023 was a tough year for me just on the dating front. Um, Probably the rockiest year I've ever had. Um, And that's just part of it, part of getting older and part of finding the right person, you know, is going through the wrong people. Um, And luckily those situations for me, at least always seem to work themselves out to where i do not end up with the person, you know, I'm 30 and I'm glad to be 30 and not be dating or married to the wrong person. And I know far too many people whose lives have been nearly ruined um, or long periods of their lives have been ruined or challenging because they've been with the wrong person. And so, you know, I'm thankful for that, at least that that's not me as hard as it's been, you know, and saying goodbye earlier this year in a pretty, unfair way to somebody that I had known for a long time and ended up dating. Um, and then the fallout from that. And then on top of that, another relationship later in the year that ended abruptly, uh, definitely took their toll on me, but honestly, and I know this sounds cliche, but truly I feel like I needed to go through those things, um, to at least get them out of my system to gain that experience. Like that's not what I want to, would have wanted to hurt, want to that's not what I would have wanted to hear at the time I was going through those like rough patches but honestly like I look back on 2023 and I say wow you know I definitely had some hard times dealing with that and you know wondering why things didn't work out and being sad about them but if anything I just I feel better about it now and I'm I'm always thankful you know you never want to be with somebody that doesn't want to be with you you never want to be with the wrong person and 
I mean, you and I both have been with the wrong people um, at times in our life, and you just know, you know. And then if and if you don't know at the time when it's over, you eventually look back and say, "Wow, like that really wasn't, you know, where I needed to be. That wasn't who I needed to be with." So, you know, I don't know. I do a lot of reflecting this time of year, and I'm thinking, um, thinking back on some of those kind of tumultuous days of this year where things didn't go my way on that front. Um, but I'm optimistic and I'm hopeful for a much better 2024. And I'm looking forward to, you know, maybe just having some normalcy in that front too, as well. And I don't want to go into specifics because I don't want to put anybody on blast. I'm not that type of person, but I did just want to touch on that because you know as good as this year has been it's been it's been a difficult year in that way and i'm not afraid to to say that and i mean you more than anybody else knows how difficult this year has been for me on that front so yeah no it's it's well said it's well said and i'm optimistic for you that next year will be a far more well-rounded year um, and go in a far better direction in in certain aspects but as I've said to you before, mate, you've got everything going for you. You've got a nice place. You live in a good city. You've got amazing family. You've got a great friendship network around you. You're well-educated. You're funny. You've got, you know, a fantastic career. You know, there's surely a million people out there for you. you just got to find them. Yeah. So you will. And that's oh, yeah. the final piece of the puzzle in your life as it is now. And the fact that you've got the rest of the puzzle figured out is something that plenty of people can't say. So you'll be absolutely fine. And it's been rough this year. And, you know, I've seen some of it firsthand. And it's, you know, it's tough as a friend to to know that you're going through difficult periods and knowing that, you know, you've not felt yourself at times. But as a whole, it's all learning experience. and you know, you've done incredibly well to get through it in the way you did. You know, some people would have coped far worse than you did with half the stuff that you went through earlier in the year. So um, you should be proud of yourself and ready for, for 2024 because I'm sure it will be a good year. No doubt about it. I appreciate that. And, you know, I've, I've been with you when things have not gone your way in that regard. And it's, uh, you know, like I said, I look back on it with positivity and I'm thankful that the wrong people removed themselves from my life one way or another because you shouldn't be with the wrong people. And it's always better to be alone um, and find contentment than it is to be in a miserable relationship, you know, be with the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's a key thing probably for anybody listening. You know, you can you can be married, but you can still be alone if you're with the wrong person. But Yep, it's it's no big deal. Life carries on. It's just, you know, it was such a part of the year for me. I did want to touch on it. Um, but yep, I'm thankful for people like you in my life that help uh help you go through things like that when it gets tough. So, um, but yeah, not to not to dwell on that too much. We don't really need to because we have much more exciting things to talk about with this podcast. Um so I will let you start off with your topic or topics. And, you know, we've made it this long without talking about what happened in New York to you. But I think it's time to bring it up. And I think everybody should know if they don't know already. And 
it's very exciting news. So I'll let you take the floor, my friend. Yeah, so went to New York for a week. It's been a, a, a holiday that's been in the works for uh, about a year, pretty much, was when we booked it. And um, I got engaged on the first day um, that we were out there. So I proposed in Central Park to Carolyn. Um, she didn't embarrass me by saying no. Um, I managed to find a place that didn't have a thousand screaming New Yorkers honking and shouting their way around me at the time so yeah like you said hugely exciting news on my front it's been a you know in the same way that your years have had its ups and downs 2023 hasn't been the smoothest of year of, of my life but it's been a, a massive uptick on 2022 which the end of 2022 for a variety of reasons was such a disaster in my you know personally with career and you know, people and family falling ill and lost my granddad earlier this year as well, which was tough. Um, so it hasn't been about its challenges 2023, but to end it on such a high um, and, you know, begin planning a wedding is something that I could have only dreamed of this time last year and didn't see coming and changing my career in the same way that you did to something that's makes me feel so much better about myself all the time. I feel like a completely different person. I did last year um, at this time. So, yeah, so that's my exciting news, Daniel. I'm I'm now officially an engaged man. You're a, nearly a taken man, and we're going to have to marry you off, uh, I guess, in 2025. So it'll, it'll be here before we know it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. It, it sounds like a long way away. 2025 sounds like a fake year because it's just weird to be talking about it. But uh, it will come around fast. So summer 2025, people, that's when the, the party really starts. Yeah. Um, and it will and that, come around in no and, time. And that's when I will be in England next. Um, I don't think I'll be there in 2024, but you better believe I'll be there in 2025, along with uh, my family and then some of our mutual friends, too, hopefully. So it's going to be exciting, you know, and it's it's going to come... Mm really fast i just don't want it to go too fast like i'll we'll all be so happy and excited for it you know i just don't i don't want it to be over too too soon you know what i mean because it's going to be so much fun your wedding yeah no it will be amazing the you know just the, the most exciting thing about it aside from just the general you know engagement and the fact that that went really well and the fact that the holiday after it was so special because of that um just looking forward to having a day like a wedding day where hopefully everybody who matters to you is going to be in one room at one time it just doesn't happen you just when when in your life aside from like your own wedding can you get together like 100 people who mean you know the world to you in one place and tie everybody down for one event so what i'm looking forward to the most is just seeing all the people all my friends and family and carolyn's friends and family all just together <laughs> it just doesn't happen so it's that's what i'm looking forward to the most about it and planning it's gonna be really fun we've already started looking at venues because you know my job is so hectic especially in the early part of the year that if you want to plan for 2025 you've got to get cracking because before i know it i'll be you know unavailable to do things like wedding viewings and or wedding venue viewings and stuff like that so 
we've already started and it's really exciting really really exciting so yeah can't wait to to have it and obviously you and your family being there will be incredible really well yeah it it will i've never been to a wedding in england um i can't think of a more fitting wedding for me to go to um it'll be other than my sister's wedding it'll be the most important wedding of my life um you know being being with you on your special day so you know because i mean you're you're the you're the second sibling of, of my life, you know. Um, so, you know, you're like my brother and basically my brother, um, besides the whole uh, blood uh, kin thing. So I'm very excited. Yeah, we, can, and, we can grab a couple of knives and sort out the blood thing. Oh, there we go. Well, <laughs> well, I'm sure, you know, we, we have a common ancestor at some point. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> So, you know, and I actually I actually kind of jokingly tell people that you guys are our English cousins <laughs> just, you know, just because it's, it's funny <laughs> and, and, you know, technically true, I guess you could say. But um, it's it's going to be remarkable. And, you know, it, it's kind of sad to take a break from going to England this this coming year, 2024. But, you know, I've got a lot of other stuff planned and then you'll be you'll be stateside. So I'll see you and then, you know, we'll just be gearing up for a big 2025 and. You know, I'll, mm. I'll, I appreciate you doing it so far in advance, just, you know, for, for us, since we have to travel um, to be there. So it's it'll just, be... Yeah, it would be unnecessarily stressful on everybody to try and fit it in next year. You know, like it's if we said, oh, it's going to be summer 2024. I mean, that's like half a year away now. And, you know, it's just trying to get everything together and in one place and make sure that everybody's got free dates. Just impossible, I think you know this you know with on such short notice everybody seems to have so many weddings to go to as well so you'd probably end up with half your wedding party not being able to turn up because they're already booked in for another one so yeah so yeah 2025 feels natural and i've got i've got three friends here in charlotte that have all gotten engaged recently so i'm hoping that you know if i'm invited to those weddings any of those weddings um their former co-workers um all three of them, and no, they didn't. All three get engaged to each other, but um, I'm hoping that all their <laughs> I'm hoping that all their weddings are like this year, or maybe spread out because you know, no, there's only one thing I'm doing in summer August, whenever it is 2025, and that's that's being in England to be with you. So, um, but yeah, and you know what you said about it being the, the day where you have all the important people in your life in one place that that perfectly to me probably sums up a wedding, and. That's coming from me who, you know, if I ever get married, I don't think I'd want to have a wedding. Um, It's sort of unofficial family tradition to elope. Um, My dad and mom eloped. Yeah, and my mom and dad eloped. um, And I've always loved that story that they just did. And they had a reception later on. And then I was born, you know, a couple years later. they, They just got eloped because they wanted to get married. Um, it wasn't because they were expecting me or anything. Um, and then my dad's parents actually eloped too. So that's sort of, you know, a kind of a tradition in a way. Um, and I don't know, I'll like a part the of the tradition, you should do it. Well, Emily broke the tradition. So she, she, yeah. uh, she had a wedding. I don't know, like it would be fun, but at the same time, I really wouldn't mind to just elope and get it over with. <laughs> you know what I mean? But <laughs> I guess you got to factor in the other person in that too. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm excited for you. I'm glad it went well. I knew 
I knew if Carolyn knew what was good for her, she'd say yes. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I definitely think it works both ways. It still doesn't feel real in that sense. It's like, really? She actually said yes to this. And she's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying to like tell her. I've been trying to like you know nudge her and tell her if I if I could do that in person, I'd be like, hey, are you sure about this, Carolyn? <laughs> like, you, you sure you want this? <laughs> Um, you, know, you can always back out now there is a cooling off period <laughs> well the funny thing is is you know you two own a house together and live together so it probably doesn't really feel that different you know other than just starting to to plan wedding stuff now uh, yeah i mean actually i would say i was surprised that it does feel different to me oh know, good weird, but i'm quite a traditional person i guess with these sort of things and even though we live together for just uh, we've had the keys to the house for just over two years it was two years last week and actually since we've been engaged it has felt different in a sense that there is that it, the commitment even though you know if you're buying a house with somebody and you live with them clearly that's a huge commitment and you can't just suddenly turn around tomorrow and say right that's it I'm packing up I'm leaving because there's so much paperwork and it'd be a complete nightmare to to sack it off um, with like a mortgage and everything um, so yeah in many ways it won't be practically that different to be married but I feel different about it because it's kind of like a we've gone through the period of dating then we went through COVID and not seeing each other and then we got back to finishing COVID and seeing each other regularly and decided to sort of move as a trial to sort of see if it would work and this kind of feels like the the kind of product of that is right we know we you know live well with each other and it works perfectly so the kind of confirmation of that is that we're effectively committing the rest of our lives um to each other and the fact that it feels so natural and feels 100 percent like the right thing to do with absolutely no doubt in my mind just does make it feel different now because now that she has said yes and it is happening it's kind of dawned on me that wow this is I actually know that this is going to be the person I'm going to spend with the rest of my life with you know the chances of uh, you know there are obviously chances that it doesn't work out of course there are but to me it feels like rock solid and you know that's that's there's nowhere that's happening so it's kind of just it feels a bit odd to be like oh this is it I actually found the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with and it's actually happening it's just kind of strange. Yeah, I guess just don't think about the big picture too much, but well said. And I do, you know, I think I at least and I think everybody listening should take a moment to reflect and appreciate you and Carolyn for doing it the right way. To, you know, you did it the mature way. You took your time. There was no rush. You, you didn't date for six months or a year and get married. And not that there's anything wrong with that. That works for some people. But I've seen far too many instances, even, you know, friends and former friends who have jumped into a relationship and living together and then getting married. And it's like, oh, my God, you guys just met, you know, 16 months ago and you're already married. Like, what? <laughs> and then, you yeah. know, tra tragically, like I can think of a couple instances where that's not worked. Actually, three off the top of my head, uh, which, you know, I won't go into. But I do, you know, I think you should pat yourselves on the back for doing it the right way or not. I hate to say the right way, because, again, it doesn't work that way for everybody. but 
I appreciate that you both made sure that you were sure and there was no rush. You know, you figured each other out. You lived together. You took your time. You probably talked through things. You know, I think that that's really integral to to building a relationship with somebody. Yeah, there's no point. The best thing about it is at no point during this has it ever felt like, oh, we're doing stuff because we feel like we should have to or because that's what you know the normal thing to do is it's all just been kind of our own pace and we've known each other for a lot longer than we've actually been a couple because we met I think 11 or 12 years ago for the first time so we've you know we've been in each other's lives essentially for you know over a decade and it just naturally kind of happened and we kind of came together over the last five years and I think I said to you before we got through the COVID period completely unscathed. You know, that would that was such a trying time for so many people in relationships, even for people who lived together and people who didn't live together, because you had that horrible two year period and it stretched into year three as well, where one week to the next you didn't know if you'd be able to see the other person or what the rules were or where <laughs> or how you could do it. And, you know, with Carolyn being a nurse especially earlier on, there was a lot of anxiety around, oh God, she's, you know, right on the front line of this. We don't know how this is going to pan out, what's going on. And we didn't have any problems as a couple at all, really. We had, I think there was one instance where I can think we had not even an argument, but where one of us got really annoyed. And that was more down to the fact that the rules were changing and it was kind of, we were together at the time and it dawned on us, oh God, here we go. We've got to do another potentially three or four months without seeing each other again and just getting really angry at that but the fact that we got through that without any problems for me it, that after that and after we first started living together and we got a few months into it and it was working I was like it genuinely just feels like there's you know if we got through that we can get through anything at this point because that really was brutal the sort of 2020 2021 especially at the point when I'd lost my job and didn't have any work for a long period of time there was just so much going on so much stress that you know the fact that we stuck together and and it worked through that just meant that I just had the utmost confidence to sort of take the next steps and I think that's important for anybody to do you know I think so too and I think that it was it's good that you reflect on that period, you know, such a tragic and trying period of human history or modern human history that you look back on it in a positive light and say, well, we got through that together. We can we can get, work through anything. And that's that's very good. And I liked what you said about how you met each other so long ago. I know your parents are friends or have mutual friends. And, you know, whenever a relationship occurs organically, I think it's special, you know, nothing was forced. And I remember, I remember actually when you and Carolyn first kind of started dating, it was almost five years ago. I was still living in Lynchburg, Virginia at the time. And you had, you were over to stay with me after being in Miami for work. And you were like, oh, um, so there's this girl um, that uh, it's like, her name is Carolyn and, you know, she's friends mm. with you know, her parents are friends with my parents and we were all out. And then like she and my mom went and talked and I was like, oh, dude, like she's interested in you. You need to ask her out, you know, and you, to be honest, even you were a little bit clueless at the time about it. <laughs> well, yeah, so we've been we've been dating five officially dating five years and two weeks because we got engaged a couple of days before the five year five year of sort of anniversary of our first proper date. 
And in some ways it feels like it's been forever, but in some ways it it's gone really quickly and you know, it feels like only yesterday we were properly dating. And mm. yeah, I do remember coming to see you. And and that's one of the best things about it, in a sense, is that she's the first person that I've been with that um my parents loved a bit and that my friends really like. Like no I haven't got the impression that you know, unless I'm reading the room massively wrong, any time that I'm in a social situation with friends and she's there, everybody seems to be, you know, not just happy that she's there, but really pleased that they get to sort of see her as well. And that means a lot, the fact that she gets on well with all my friends and and it just makes everything so much easier when you're with somebody that you don't have any of those sort of issues with, as that can kind of eat away at it. But it just, it kind of reaffirms what you think of each other when you know that everyone else can kind of see it too. At least that's the way it appears. Well, the important thing is I think you both complement each other. You're, you're still each other and you just supplement each other. You know, you and I both have been in relationships in the past where family and friends didn't like the other person and they had good reasons to not like the other person. Um, and that just makes challenges. And then, you know, we've, we've all dated people that have, that have tried to change us or we felt the need to change for them. And it just makes everybody miserable. Like if you can't be yourself, then you don't need to be with that person. And that's another hard life lesson that you and I both have learned over the years. So, Mm. Um, so, so yeah. So yeah. And then we did it in New York, which is a city that I know you're, you're not particularly a fan of, but actually you were so downbeat on it that it made the experience better because everything exceeded my expectations because I was expecting it to be an absolute hellhole of a city. Well, I didn't um, want to talk up I didn't want to talk it up too much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you didn't. <laughs> New York's okay, you know, it's it's fine. It's interesting to visit and there's obviously like it's an important and special place, but um I'm glad that you had a fantastic time. Yeah, no, it was amazing. We we managed to get, you know, everything that we wanted out of that trip done in terms of sightseeing, in terms of experiences, and no, none of it none of it was disappointing. It was all better than I think we expected. Well, I'll you tell know. you one thing I'm disappointed about. You still haven't eaten a corn dog. Well, okay, maybe we didn't do everything I said <laughs> I was going to do. <laughs> Why have you I not just... eaten a corn dog? I mean, you eat everything. <laughs> Like that—that that is one of the most basic American things that you can eat, and you've never eaten a corn dog. You've been to more ball games in America than I've been to, and you've never had a like you're. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> no, 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 I'll tell you what it is. So this, uh, listeners, comes from the fact that one night when I'd had a couple of drinks. We're standing on the side of the road, and in New York, there are food trucks on basically every street corner selling all sorts of things. And I hadn't tried any of these food trucks, in part because I've learned from experience in other cities, and you know, cities that are nowhere near on the statue of New York, that eating street food can be risky. And if you're on a, a you know, a really special holiday, the last thing I want to do is be ill. So I was asking you and your parents what the sort of advice was with these street vendors. You know, are they yeah, can you get away unscathed from a meal at one of these places if you want just something quick to eat? And the general consensus was your dad was like, "No, I wouldn't touch him with a barge pole," which I expected. But your mum seemed <laughs> to point out that they they go through various food safety standards 
um, and regulations and stuff like that, which is fine. Um, and so I was looking up and down the menu one night and I was like, do you know what? I've never had a corn dog. So I was asking what the opinion on corn dogs was. And again, it was split. Your dad was like, you know, I'd rather stick pins in my eyes than eat a corn dog. Um, whereas Cody, um, your sister's uh, husband, was all over it. He was like, get yourself in there. Um, you're doing yourself a disservice for not eating one. And in the end, I just kind of couldn't decide on whether to eat one or not. And I just kind of looked at the menu and I looked at them being served to people. And I was just like, it's just such a weird thing. There's something about the corn dog that's just odd. It, I think it's the shape of it. I think it's the concept of it. It just, it just looks wrong. And so I was like, ah, oh, I'll leave it to another time. And I think that's the problem with the corn dog. Now, I'm going to get really detailed in, into a corn dog here. Is, is oh. there ever a period in your life where you've gone to a place that serves a corn dog where that's the thing you want to eat because that's the best thing on the menu? There's always something better than a corn dog to eat. But how that's do you know never that you've never had a corn dog? Because, See, come you know. on, man. Like, if I'm at Lambeau Field and I'm there with cheese curds and tater tots and they're selling, you know, amazing burgers full of pickles and cheese. And then it's like, oh, you can have all that or you can have this dry husk of a corn dog that's shambling along the grill or whatever, it, you know, wherever it comes from. Just it just it doesn't look very appealing. And so I've always chosen other things. And again, I bottled it. Corn dog. And maybe when I'm in Florida in January and I get desperate because Florida's a weird place, maybe I will have the corn dog and I will report back on the podcast. No, what we're doing is when you come here in March after being in Florida, we are going straight to cookout and I'm making you eat a corn dog. <laughs> From the this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. This has gone on too long. You've been alive for 29 years and you've been to America more times than the average um english person by far and you've never had a corn dog and i don't even particularly love corn dogs i'm just flabbergasted um at this fact <laughs> so. okay okay all right we'll do deal then in march we'll and maybe we'll do a live tasting on a podcast yes yeah, so we're gonna post uh, like we're gonna do a video and we're gonna get becky to post it on the instagram of you eating a corn dog and doing a review yes. <laughs> and yes. because this is just i mean i'm sure half the people listening by now are just you know in their cars driving along the interstate with their mouths watching the speaker systems going fucking stop talking about goddamn corn dogs because <laughs> they really want a corn dog or because they're just like for christ's sake you are so boring i will turn this off right now so i will talk about other things that i liked about new york um the volume of skyscrapers as somebody who's grown up in a major city and spent my life in cities i've never seen anything like it even though i knew manhattan is basically this grid of skyscrapers until you're standing there i didn't appreciate it it's just wild it yeah, really it's just, is nuts. it's amazing it's a, bit, it's a bit overwhelming and you know like london's as big as new york city but it just feels entirely different and i mean london's got its fair share of skyscrapers now but up until the past no, decade nothing like it is it it's nothing is like it? it no no just every building is massive and it's just 
it's and you can see the gradual evolution of skyscraper design you've got the classic new york skyscraper from you know better part of 100 years ago the one that michael strahan's the expert on um as we know from that documentary watch <laughs> and then you've got the really modern ones are the ones that are being built now and they all look fantastic together one thing i'll say is that as a city to look at it's stunning like at night standing in dumbo brooklyn overlooking the brooklyn bridge at manhattan i was just like i couldn't get enough of that view watching the sunset over the city i was just like oh my god i'm in absolute heaven here i'd love that sort of thing i love a big city um and as a whole the atmosphere of new york was not what i expected it to be i expected it to be far busier i expected it to be far more brash and rough and dirty and sleazy and dodgy but it really wasn't i my expectation of it was it wasn't going to be mexico city level of you know lock your doors and and keep running but (laughs) i thought it was going to be rough around the edges and actually from the places we went to in brooklyn and on long island and in manhattan i didn't at all feel threatened or unsafe anywhere and you know fantastic you know the police forces are not perfect anywhere in the world but i've never seen so many of them as i did in new york and you know they do their job clearly because as a you know tourist who had never been there before i felt perfectly fine walking around there you know in many ways there's, there's places in tokyo that i felt far more threatened than anywhere that i went to in manhattan and we were walking all all hours of the day all over the place because we didn't know where we were going half the time so we we're just wandering around and just in general i just thought it was a re- you know a pretty nice atmosphere and at christmas it was good you know people people's moods were pretty nice you know there was the element of big city slight misery that everybody's got on their face but that's just if you put millions of people coming to work at the same time anywhere in the world there's going to be miserable people who won't talk to you but you know as a whole i thought there's kind of a nice atmosphere here and new yorkers they get a bad rap in you know in a lot of places and rightly so i, I imagine but you do get the impression they're very proud of their city and i like that yeah well that's well said too and you know i'm sure you were in safe areas it's not like you went to the bronx so um, no no and i'm sure there are really dodgy areas but you know if you're going to new york and all the places you want to see and all the places that we wanted to see and when we were just randomly exploring we didn't walk through any parts of anywhere that we were like well certainly me with my sort of city antenna but i went oh let's not turn down that alley it was absolutely fine and the food was amazing like that's another underrated thing about it is that there aren't really any chain restaurants there i was expecting it to be like your typical southern rest stop where you've got chick-fil-a burger king wendy's um, dairy queen cookout mcdonald's you know i just expected the whole of manhattan to be rammed with starbucks and all these big chains but actually outside of like the the key areas like your times squares and and that everywhere was like independent like all these bagel shops or small local chains and we didn't have a bad bit of food the whole time oh and the bagels were incredible the pizza was amazing the steak was the best meat i've ever eaten by a million miles just after we got engaged i was really impressed with the food for a big city Um, i don't know what your experience was but i was really impressed that's one thing that new york prides itself on is the food you know that that is one key thing with with new york is the amount of restaurants and the food and 
Um, so I'm glad you got to eat at some good places. Mm. A lot from recommendations, and we didn't have a bad recommendation in like the Italian place that your mum and dad really liked that we went to that we couldn't get a bloody seat at. You know, it was an hour and 45 minute long wait when we turned up, and we had a table booked. It was like it was brutal. But um, so yeah, amazing food. Um, and like the 9/11 memorial, we did that as well. An amazing place. So hard at times to to go through, but they've done such an incredible job. And what I was saying to you, Daniel, is something that I admire about America as a country is you really do get it right when it comes to memorials and paying respects to you know tragedies or people who've you know served the country and things like that the way that they've completely rejuvenated the area where the twin towers were is so nicely done there's not an element of it where it's tacky or cringy or you know upsetting because it's you know way too commercialized or there's no element of that they've just done a really nice job of it and they've actually done a really you know done a good service to the people who awfully lost their lives that day um 20 years ago so yeah your country always seems to do that no matter where they are in the world any american memorial graveyard um museum they're always done really well yeah they never yeah. never let you down do they it's a very mystifying and beautiful thing that memorial especially and yeah i mean even even american soldier cemeteries in france and belgium that we've been to are well done and well taken care of and it's it's very like almost i guess you know poignant but beautiful at the same time that that there is so much pride and the british do a good job of that too i mean there's british military cemeteries and monuments all over the world and mm. it's uh it's pretty beautiful um to see so all in all it sounds like an amazing trip and it's uh you came back a different person than you left, you know, so. Um, yeah, hopefully better, not worse. Well, you couldn't get any worse, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bar was pretty low, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, it, that was my trip to New York. Here. It's only up <laughs> from here. Um, so, you want to talk yeah. about Christmas before we get into top three, bottom three? Yeah, I guess we better since we we marketed this as a Christmas episode. Um. So, yeah, so Christmas and we can sort of treat this like Thanksgiving and Halloween and talk about um, talk about just traditions and what we like. Um, Christmas is always great. Um, and, you know, you, you, you don't get excited about it like you do. Uh, like I don't get excited about it like I did when I was a kid anymore, but it's still fun this year. You know, we have a baby in the family and she's small, so it won't be much for her this year but just you know having a child in the family again will be will make christmases in the future much more fun um not that they've not been fun but you know just seeing like the joy in like a child's eyes um and remembering back to christmases from when you were younger um are always special and i'm excited about that and you know like when i think about christmas i always think about just the build up to it when i was a kid and just the excitement, you know, of like counting down the days until presents and then until you're off from school for two weeks and waking up on Christmas morning super early and like getting your parents out of bed at 6 a.m. to open presents. 
Um, just yeah. the the thrill of that was just so much fun. And we would always, uh, you know, when I was r- really small, we we would always go and spend Christmas Eve with my mom's parents and family and do presents there. And that was always really fun. My grandma, my mom's mom would like cook a big meal and, uh, you know, we would leave their house, drive the hour back home and it would be cold and dark and sometimes it'd be snowing. And then I remember just being in the car as a kid on the way home, being like tired and thinking, you know, like I just got to go to sleep and then Santa will be here tomorrow. And it's like, how can I ever go to sleep tonight when I know I'm getting presents tomorrow? You know, like, do you you remember that feeling? Just kind of like, oh, yeah. And even like to this day, when I get excited about things, I'm like, gosh, I got to sleep before I have this fun day. Like, I still kind of have that feeling sometimes. Um, And, you know, just like the joy of Christmas Day, like waking up, you know, in 2020, which as terrible of a year as that was, it was it actually snowed a lot at my parents' house on Christmas Day. And like we woke up to this huge amount of snow, which was really cool um, to see on Christmas because usually it doesn't snow on Christmas. Um, that was like the first time in 30 years or something it had snowed. But, um, you know, and then just honestly, like as I've gotten older too, like it's just fun to buy presents for people and like get good gifts and get things that people want. Um, and I, I do enjoy that. I still enjoy, of course, the break from from work and the long weekend home and seeing family. Um Christmas Day, we'd always go to my dad's parents' house and hang out with them. As we got older, we we pretty much kind of moved Christmas to our house. Um, and this year, we'll be going to Christmas uh, to my sister and brother-in-law's house for Christmas Eve. And then we'll be uh, spending Christmas Day with my, uh, my dad's side of the family. Um, so, you know, it changes as the years go on. But I always look forward to, like, fried oysters and then, like... Um, beef tenderloin or like prime rib to eat for christmas um the food's all so strange i know it's so strange i mean some people do turkey and ham or we do ham or whatever but you know like doing like fried oysters is always really cool that's like kind of a christmas tradition thing um but it's fun and then you know it's 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 just a weird feeling like obviously we've already i've already reflected a little bit on this podcast about the year but i always feel like once christmas is over it's a little bit sad because then you have mm. this week of the year left and you're like well what what do we do now like there's one week left in the year everything's kind of winding down and it's yeah that, that week is always strange it is and you know like the past couple of years i've taken off work for that week um but this year i'm working which still like that last week of work is always just kind of a you know, it's not like a free week of work. There's still work to do, but a lot of people are on vacation. A lot of places are closed. There's just not like a whole lot going on. And mm. do you know it, what? I always think that 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 week to me has always felt like, you know, you you I imagine know this feeling, but you know, when you're in a job that that you that you either don't like or that you're struggling with, and every week you spend the whole week praying it's Friday night. And that feeling of, oh, my God, work's finished for the week. And I've got Friday night and I've got all of Saturday where I don't have to think about it because, the, you know, the next day I wake up, it's I'm not working. But then you get to Sunday and Sunday, the moment you get to like, I don't know, 1 p.m., it feels like a countdown to Monday. The and you've Sunday got that series. horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've got that anxiety of the new week starting. And 
just getting stressed about it and stuff like that. That's what I always feel like that week feels like. That week between Christmas and New Year just feels like one long Sunday where things aren't really functioning. People are kind of half in, half out when it comes to work. And you're just waiting for the new year to happen. And it's, yeah, just always odd. Yeah. And, you know, New Year's is strange in itself for me um, because I'm not like a big New Year's person. Somebody recently asked me, like, which holiday I like the least around this time and like what I do for New Year's. And I said, well, New Year's, you know, the past couple of years, partly because of COVID, partly not. I've really not done much like it's to me like it's kind of nice to like spend New Year's Eve with friends or family or maybe like you know a significant other and just sort of hang out and let the year kind of wind down because like you know you go out on New Year's Eve everywhere is crowded there's all kinds of stuff going on plus like it's a very dangerous night to be on the roads in America there's a lot of drunk drivers unfortunately um and you know I've, I've always heard the horror stories about being in Times Square for New Year's Eve and not being able to go to the bathroom for hours because you're packed in like sardines. And that's, that's something I never want to do um, <laughs> is, is do New Year's Eve in Times Square. But um, it's, I don't know, like it's a very poignant time of year. Um, this time of year, it's very happy. Uh, you know, if, if you've lost loved ones, it can be a very sad time of year too. Like as you're saying mm -hmm. goodbye to the year and saying goodbye to, you know, the year that you lost somebody. But um but I don't know. Like, it's good. I, I really do enjoy Christmas still. I like the spirit around Christmas. I like, I like, you know, it seems like people are happy. You know, people say Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays or whatever. I think that's really good. Um, probably the, the coolest thing about Christmas is it's sort of a trans, it's a holiday that's transcended its religious origins. And I mean that in the best possible way, because I know plenty of people who aren't Christian that celebrate Christmas um, because it's just a thing, you know, it's just a thing to do. And it's, it's part of like the culture for us, I guess, like in the Anglo world or in the Western world where we have so heavily ingrained Christmas into like our societies that it's, it's a part of just what we do. Like I couldn't imagine the end of the year passing by without Christmas. Um, and I mean, even, you know, like Christmas is celebrated in Japan, which, you know, 1% of the population is Christian. And it's it's just interesting to me that that's that it's such a um, important holiday. Um, mm. And it makes me appreciate it, you know, and I know people appreciate it for different reasons. You know, Christian people appreciate it for for it being the birth of Jesus. Um and there's obviously like a lot of meaning behind that for certain people and people, you know, it's like a, it's it's at the time of year people go to church, especially people that don't go to church all year. They go at Christmas and Easter, you know, because they're significant holidays. So um, I don't know. I have nothing but really good things to say about it and happy memories. And I do appreciate like my mom for always and my dad, too, for always making Christmas like a big deal for us as kids. And I think that, like, as children, it's important for parents to put forth an effort with things like Christmas and birthdays um, because it's part of the tradition that gets passed on, right? Like, if you grow up with good Christmas memories and having good Christmases, then you want to keep that for, you know, your posterity and that sort of thing. Mm, definitely. Well said. Well said. No, it's, it's my favorite time of the year, December. 
I absolutely love it. It's I love the atmosphere of it, even to this day. Obviously, like you say, it changes as you get older. What you think of Christmas and what matters the most about Christmas changes drastically. But for me, there's just there's nothing like that point in the year where, yeah, there's still work to be done and you're going into work every day, but the pressure feels off in a way. You know, it's um, especially with my line of work, it's busy. There's loads to do, but as a whole, there's no racing going on. And people are just kind of ready for the year to be over, and and there's just something nice about it getting dark early and Christmas, having Christmas lights up in the house, and sitting of an evening when it's cold and rainy outside and watching a film or reading a book or playing a video game, like so, just so many nice memories of just just relaxing and feeling, you know, free from from stress. It's just so nice at this time of year as as an adult and. You know, the actual day itself for me now is very different to how it was when I was a kid, like it is for everybody, where you're just, you know, you work yourself up into a frenzy about presents and, you know, almost like wishing your life away, trying to make it Christmas Day because, you know, you look forward to it all year. But there is still that sort of, you got to, I go to bed at Christmas Eve, and even though it's not because I'm desperate to wake up the next morning because I need presents, but I do still kind of find it hard to get to sleep on Christmas Eve. It is. There it is, is still, yeah. there is still, there is still a weird, strange feeling that I almost don't know how to describe. But there is a almost a sort of, you know, there is a buzz about it, and there is a that excitement and anticipation of Christmas Day because it's kind of that one day a year. And and the one thing I like about it is certainly in England is, uh, or the whole of the UK is, there's something really nice about that feeling of Christmas Day. When it's like in the morning on Christmas Day and you've opened stockings or whatever and and you're just you've not had Christmas lunch yet. And maybe your family, your extended family haven't arrived, but you're sitting at home and it's that feeling of the entire country pretty much has stopped and everybody's doing the same thing. Almost yes. that feeling of everybody up and down the road is sitting there with their family opening presents and all doing something together. And even though you don't see them, you know it's happening and everyone's got the radio on and there's something nice about Christmas Day radio and listening to, you know, talk radio on Christmas Day and music and and Christmas TV and there's just something very homely about it. And it just it just makes me feel good, that Christmas morning feeling. Um, even if, you know, as you get older you you don't the presents aren't as big of a deal and maybe you don't have as like certainly with my family there aren't as many of us on Christmas day because you have a lot of family members pass away and so it's basically just three or four of us now on Christmas day and so it's a very different experience um but it's still special in its own right and I just I just really love it you know I'm not a religious person at all but the spirit of Christmas it, you know runs deep with me completely um, I just yeah look forward to it almost all year December and actually being away in New York for part of December was odd because although it's a very Christmassy city New York and it's very wintry and it, it's very cold and lots of people wearing Christmas hats and you know lovely Christmas lights everywhere being away for like that period of time means that it's oh my god it's already Christmas like next week I'm not ready for it yet I still feel like I've really just put the Christmas tree up it's really strange, but I'm looking forward to it. Um, I like this period now because we've still got that few more days before it all happens to, to see friends, see family, do the last few bits, finish up work and and enjoy it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to this weekend, certainly. Yeah, 
<clears throat> well said as well. And it is nice, like, when the world stands still, you know, like, you know, like when we're traveling on Christmas Eve or day, you know, there's other cars on the road, but businesses are closed and they close early. And, you know, like even this Friday, the 22nd, I'll be getting out of work. I'm finishing at one o'clock on Friday and I'm headed to my parents' house. And I'm thankful for that, you know, that they close us early and we can head home. And it's it's exciting. You know, the excitement starts building when you leave and you get to go home and it's really good. Um, but, yeah, it's a. Uh, you know, for you to say that you're not a religious person, you might be the one of the most Christian-natured people I've ever met in my life, which is interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we won't delve too much into that. Um, you know, into that we we made a pledge to never talk about politics and religion on this podcast. So here we are talking about the most significant religious holiday in the world. <laughs> <laughs> And, no, you know, it's, it's interesting, like Christmas is celebrated on different days, depending on what type of you mm. know, Christian you are, you know, like in the East and stuff, it's celebrated, I think, in like January, like Orthodoxy and, you know, because they're on different calendars. And then there's like 12 days of Christmas. And I, I'm no expert on that because it is kind of confusing, you know, mm. where we change calendars, like from the julian calendar to now we have the modern calendar but yet like eastern europe and the, and other parts of the world still have the old calendar like it, it gets very confusing when people actually celebrate christmas but like i'm pretty sure like orthodox Chris, christmas is like in early january because that's like the old calendar um mm. so germany they celebrate on christmas eve and switzerland yeah that's, that's their and France, I think, is basically it's the build-up to Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve's the big day, and then Christmas Day almost is like Boxing Day to us, which is which is always, I've always found strange. Because what's Boxing Day then? Yeah, and Boxing Day is not a thing in America. Um, is it not? No, no. Oh, not at all. well, that you know, you think about like Boxing Day, that was the history of servitude in the UK, right? Like the servants or busy on Christmas preparing meals and whatever for the families. And then wasn't boxing day, like the day that yeah, they got the day off. So it's not a thing off. in America. No, because you know, like despite America's many problems with um, other things, like there was never that level of aristocracy. There was, there was never, yeah, a class there wasn't. System, so but then, speak. you know, we, you know, Halloween isn't British, but people be still wearing clothes and dressing up. Halloween. Well, I'd have thought it would have just become a thing. Well, remember that yeah. Halloween actually is British. <laughs> like, yeah, nah, but it's not in its in its, its modern form. Yeah, there's uh, there's nothing you know nothing says Britain like dressing up as Freddy Krueger and grabbing a bucket load of Hershey's off of our front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, and I don't know like. Um, what was I going to say about Christmas and your, hmm, I lost that train of thought. Darn. Um, well, I'll talk, I'll talk about the fact that I love, or the other thing I, I really love is Christmas films and Christmas music. Some people really can't stand Christmas music. Um, and in a way I don't listen to anywhere near as much Christmas music at this time of year as I did a few years ago. There's, um, but I just, yeah, the classic Christmas songs get played over and over again. And no matter how many years in a row you watch the same movies or hear the same songs on the radio, 
it is just that nice thought of oh it's that time of year where it's acceptable to you know listen to George Michael again um <laughs> it's <laughs> it's nice uh, and we've got top three bottom three which is about Christmas movies so I'm looking forward to delving into that yeah and I will say like I like Christmas music at a distance like I'm not in my car listening to it for a month straight but it's nice to have on in the background like if you're doing something in public or if you're you know it is it is actually Christmas in your home um another interesting thing that we found out recently our parents apparently both saw uh, a Christmas carol within um, a day of each other within a day of each other 4,000 miles apart <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's pretty funny but and you know like an interesting note about a christmas carol um which a christmas carol of course is a novella by charles dickens the famous british writer um i think really a lot of our modern conception of christmas comes from that story um Mm, yeah and if you if you've never read that story you know dickens is very hard to read he's very wordy very descriptive you know you talked about stephen king going on for pages about people you know, that was Dickens's thing. And of course, like people 200 years ago or whatever um, wrote quite a bit differently um, than we do now. And we're much more descriptive and detailed. But, you know, his books can be kind of difficult to get through. But A Christmas Carol is a great story. And it's um, I read it a couple years ago. It's um, it's very sad um, until it's not, you know, it has a magnificent, happy ending. And um, kind of a beautiful ending. It's it's a great great story to to read or watch or listen to or whatever this time of year. That sort of thing really puts me in the spirit mm. of uh, of Christmas as well. Um, you know, and the past couple of years I've been home more just because of COVID and whatnot. But um, you know, I, I think I saw a Christmas story play a couple years ago, and then. Um, I think we saw It's a Wonderful Life a couple years ago too, and we'll we'll get into that too. The the play versions, which were great, um, so stuff like that, you know, gets you in the spirit. And then of course, like in America, you know, Christmas parades are huge. Like every yeah. single every single small town in America has a Christmas parade. Where oh really? It's oh, not yeah. just in the big cities. No, I, I mean it's that. everywhere. And like wow. you know, you'll you'll have like the high school marching band and like the fire trucks you know, going down the street, blaring their horns. You'll have, like, dance people, like, you know, local dance academies, like, dancing. You'll have, um, you know, like, civic organizations like the Rotarians and the Lions Club and whatever going through. You'll have the Shriners in their, you know, dressed up as clowns on their motorcycles, like, going up and down the road. Like, Christmas parades are a very big deal. Um, Wow. You know, and I'm I'm telling you, like, even a small town of a couple thousand people has a Christmas parade. Like, it's a very big thing, um, which I'm guessing that's not a thing in the UK. Not at all. I'm not aware of a single parade. <laughs> in fact, Christmas Day, yeah, it's interesting because there's the whole parade thing in the States, which just wouldn't fly over here. People would just be angry. Um, <laughs> is, well, the, the roads thing are is, so narrow, too. <laughs> well, there's, there's that, and there's also... People don't want to be standing out in the freezing cold looking at floats, you know, and people wandering by. People want to be sitting at home doing nothing and eating way too much from Christmas Day. Um, but th- that's the other thing is you've got the parade thing in America, but you've also got sport. It's such a huge part of Christmas Day most years in America. Or at least it is for me. 
Yeah. And actually, one of the things I look forward to the most every Christmas is you've you've got with the family, you've done your presents, you've seen everybody, you've had your Christmas lunch, you've had your trimmings afterwards, you've eaten so much that you can't move. And then because of where we are in time zones, the NBA Christmas Day starts in like the evening when everyone's gone home and it's just me and dad sitting on the sofa, usually having a glass of Bailey's traditionally. Oh man, the years spent watching the Miami Heat play on Christmas Day and traditionally playing like a big game. Oh, I love that. And and also the Packers have played on Christmas Day a couple of times before, like NFL games take place on Christmas Day. I love a late night Christmas sport. sport. There's something really nice about festive sport, but it just doesn't, people couldn't cope with it over here. So this year, this year, the first time I think in like something like six to 70 years, there's one football match being played on Christmas Eve. Really? And people are massively angry about it. Really? Like there they're are angry protests. About it. They're massive. There are big protests. People are deciding whether they want to boycott going to the game or not watch it on TV. It's a massive point of contention that they're putting a Premier League game on on Christmas Eve. There's never any sport on Christmas Day. It's all Boxing Day. Boxing Day is, you know, the, everybody in, well, pretty much every team in the country, football-wise, plays on Boxing Day. And then, traditionally, every four years, the England cricket team plays a test match on Boxing Day in Australia because it's summer out there. So Boxing Day is the big sport to stay for us. Um, but, yeah, people are really upset about the fact that there's a Premier League game on Christmas Eve. Uh, that that actually surprises me because it is such a big sports day. Like it is a big NBA day for for us, um, you know. And then it's college bowl season. It's NFL. I mean, it's they love the TV time because everybody's home watching TV. And then you know a lot of like movies also come out around Christmas too. Um, mm. Sometimes or traditionally, I know it's kind of different now. Sadly, um, what's your what's your favorite Christmas memory or like? You know, maybe two. Ooh. It's really difficult. Um, what is my favorite Christmas memory? So, um, when my, when our sort of family gathering was in its heyday in terms of numbers, and we used to have my grandparents over, my godfather over, and sometimes a couple of additional friends. And we used to have probably 12, 14 people around the table on Christmas Day. Um, just I loved sitting and listening to my godfather tell stories. And my godfather was, you know, not the, uh, you know, wasn't always a saint, shall we say. He could be a nightmare on Christmas Day. He could be one of those people that stirs the pot and accidentally offends half the room. And then it turns into a bit of drama. But I loved my godfather matt he was just a wonderful man at telling stories and being an actor he you know was perfect for christmas day he would bring short stories or he'd bring a poem or um you know short so he'd sing sometimes but he would read a couple of funny stories about christmas um about there's a diary of a snow shoveler which was the one that we always used to love and that's my, one of my favorite christmas memories that stands out to me is listening to him tell that story probably six or seven years in a row um because it just you know that that would be almost the highlight of the day every year so i you know i that's what kind of comes to mind sitting around with all the family there because you know that's something that we can't do anymore and so that stands out to me 
um, listening to Matt tell stories. How about you? That's a good one. Um, that's a good one. I, ha- I guess I have two. And the first one I don't remember because I was very small, but I'm going to tell this one because I think it's my, one of my parents' favorite Christmas memories. Um, when I was like, I guess like a toddler, you know, two, three, maybe four years old, I loved Thomas the Tank Engine, which, you know, of course, is a British thing as well. Um, I was obsessed. I mean, I was Thomas for Halloween several years. I had, you know, every time we would go to the mall, there was a train store and they had this big like wooden train table with like a with a, you know, like a wooden uh, map that you could like put trains on and play with them and like put tracks on and stuff like of all the Thomas the Tank Engine things. And uh, one Christmas, um, I came downstairs as a young, young boy. And there was this train table there, um, a wooden one that my dad, uh, he was a teacher at the time that the uh, like the woodworking guy at the school had made for them, for me. Um, And so it was like a wooden train table and there was like a thing, you know, like a map as described to put on it. And then I had like the trains, too. And apparently, like I came down the stairs and I I yelled, it's just like the one in the store. Um, And I was like so excited because I'd gotten this train table um, for that particular Christmas. And my mom and dad always talk about talk about that and how happy I was for that. Um, The other one's kind of funny. And we were talking about that this the other day, but in our old house, which we lived into, lived in till I was probably 13, um, we had an old Curtis Mathis TV, and it was like one of those old like wood wood paneled TVs that you like put on the floor. You know, it was like a big square, right? Like you know mm. what I'm talking about, how yeah, TVs yeah. used to be. And I mean, we had that from before I was born up until. I was that age. And anyways, like that particular Christmas, we got our first flat screen TV and my mom is going to kill me for telling this story maybe, but we, (laughs) that Christmas morning, like we wanted to try out our new TV. So we put the new flat screen TV on top of the old TV, (laughs) 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 the most like just, you know, redneck thing you could do, right? Like a TV on top of a TV, one's unplugged. We plug in the other one. And then I think like the third star Wars movie had just come out on DVD. And of course, like my dad and I are sitting there Christmas morning after the gifts are open and we're sitting there watching the new TV on top of the old TV, um, <laughs> watching like Revenge of the Sith. And I'm pretty sure there's a picture somewhere of us sitting on the couches and you see like these two TVs and you see like lightsabers on on the new TV. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I remember that- um, my, uh, my dad would, my parents as a whole would, sometimes went above and beyond on christmas morning especially when i was small and one thing that stands out to me which jogged my memory when you were talking about coming downstairs and being really excited about your train thing is um my dad would i would put out a letter to santa or whatever and i would leave the mince pies and the sherry and the carrots for the reindeer and that on the side and i'd come down the next morning and dad would have eaten half of the you know, the mince pies, most of the carrots, drunk all the cherry <laughs> and all that. And he would put a mat, a white sheet from the fireplace across the living room. And so he would, we would put that out the night before so that when Santa came down the chimney, um, he didn't make a mess of the living room. And so my dad would get 
a pair of boots and he would make them dirty with dirt and soot and mud and stuff and he would walk <laughs> them through the living room so that it looked like Santa had walked in the room. Wow. Always remember that. Always wow. remember being so excited about, oh my God, he's he's been, look, I can see evidence. That's his footprints around the living room. Um, and he'd be so convinced, you'd be like, he's real. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, another thing that was amazing is that, um, so a couple of friends, you met him. So Nick, who um, you met at that curry house up London, who goes to Spurs matches with me. Oh, um, yeah. I was with last weekend in Nottingham for the for the Tottenham game. He took his kids to Lapland last year in December, and they do a massive thing for families to go and meet Santa and ride on the sleigh. And is that know, Finland, Lapland? Yeah. So yeah, and so it's proper like you go there and it's like basically going to the North Pole. They deck the whole place out as this massive Christmas attraction. And it's a really popular thing for people to do in Europe is take their kids to Lapland. But one of the amazing things they do is that if you get, you get your kids. So he got um, his two kids to write out their Christmas list and say what they wanted um, to send to Santa. And then obviously they went and saw Santa in Lapland after he'd sent the, you know, supposedly sent the letters off but in lapland now they do a thing where you can send the kids letters on ahead of time to lapland before you go so when your kids see santa santa knows what they want and knows their names that's incredible i would love to could you imagine being a kid and being and seeing santa and he's got the letter in his hands and your parents have never seen him before and you've never seen that place before how could your parents possibly have got it to him yeah, it's convincing. And he knows wow. who you are. Yeah, like, oh. and it blew his kids out of the room, <laughs> apparently. Like, could you imagine it? That is such an amazing thing to do. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I would love to do that if I had kids one day. Like, hey, kids, we're going to Finland. You know, like, if you're American, it's like, it's like why <laughs> the hell to, are you going? We're going to see Uncle Stephen. What now? We're going to see Uncle Stephen in Finland. <laughs> we're meeting Uncle Stephen in Finland. <laughs> That is amazing that your dad did that, though. I, props to the guy for that, and uh, props to our parents in general for always going above and beyond, you yeah. know, for stuff like this. So we know you're listening. Thank you for that to all of you, because here we are at 30 years old talking about how special all that is um, for us. Exactly. So it We'll never forget it. It means a lot. And I'm sure there's many people listening that you know, think back on Christmas and think similar things. So, and you mentioned one thing very interestingly that we can end this with before we go to the top three, bottom three, you said that you guys leave out mint cakes and sherry for Santa. Mince pies. Mince pies. Okay. Like meat pies. Like, like mince meat, like sweet mince meat. Ugh. Um, what do you mean? Ugh. Yeah. It's like Christmas like, pudding in a pie. Yeah. You've never had a mince pie. And you're having a go at me for having a corn dog. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> now we're back on the corn dog thing again. Okay, I'll try <laughs> mince pie if you try a corn dog. Fair. <laughs> you can serve them at your wedding. But... <laughs> I can't believe you don't have mince pies in America. Well, we probably do. It's but... like the hot cross bun in uh, Easter. Well, that's not a thing that we do here either. It's just what? a Oh, cross buns. What sort um, of disgraceful nation do you live in? The point I'm trying to make is... How dare you? 
What about cookies and milk? That's what you leave out for Santa. Cookies and milk. Yeah. How underwhelming. How underwhelming (laughs) is that? Cookies and milk. Are they Oreos? Do you put out Oreos? I don't know. I mean, you can. Oreos are cookies, but like it's Santa's milk's a big... favorite cookie. So if you're gonna put out milk, you at least put the Oreos out to make it at least a bit tolerable. Santa's a fat old guy. I mean, he he likes that, you know. Like he. Right. Okay. So I what know. you're telling me is you'd rather fly around the world drinking milk than getting pissed. <laughs> well, do you I'm really sharing. want a drunk Santa driving a sleigh? I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I do want drunk Santa. <laughs> That, you know, that he hasn't got a... to drive the show. He's got reindeer. <laughs> Give them the carrots. He's in the back having a few hot toddies. He's having a great time. <laughs> Lobbing the presents down the chimney. He's That's... rolling around. He's having that... a sherry. In, in a nation of drunkards, a drunk Santa is the most British thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm surprised. Do you know what? I'm actually shocked that you... That you, you it's, the worst thing about the milk and cookies thing is that... <laughs> not that not that it's just milk and cookies. It's the fact that it's so underwhelming. It's so annoying. It's not like oh, you know, a you know, a bottle of Jack and a fucking hot dog. Like that would be cool. That'd be very American. Or a white claw and a chicken wing or something. But cookies <laughs> of milk. He's not five. Give the man a break. No wonder he's fat. Jesus Christ. No wonder he's drunk and wrecking the slate. (laughs) (laughs) He probably doesn't even make it to America. He's had so much sherry in Britain by the time he tries to cross the Atlantic. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. This is funny. We, man, and this is completely just... We did not pre-plan this in, at all. That, that's the beautiful thing about this. This is this is completely organic. <laughs> oh dear. What do you think vegans do for Christmas? Like, do you think you know, like, you got like this, you got this Cry. like crunchy vegan family, and it's like, sorry kids, we can't leave out milk for Santa because milk comes from cows, and we're vegan, so we're leaving Santa oat milk. <laughs> like what? Great. And, and vegan cookies too, you know, like cookies are made with butter. Like Yeah, and no wonder vegans don't get presents at Christmas because Santa ain't visiting them. Yeah, like you can't even give a vegan coal because they're probably like, oh no, coal. Yeah, oh that's not very sustainable. Bog off. Yeah, yeah we want solar panels for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you what do you mean his, his sleigh isn't electric? <laughs> What do you mean? There's more reindeer. Animal abuse. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, before we oh. offend our vegan demographic, we must move on. <laughs> it's too late for that now. We love you, vegans, sort of. Yeah, you're tolerable. Um, you're tolerable. Um, but okay. More turkey for us. Yeah. All right. Top three bottom three to finish this episode off tommy williams thank you so much for the top three bottom three tommy is a childhood friend of my dad's he's a friend of mine too family friend um lives in atlanta georgia and you know i keep in touch with him he texted me this top three bottom three so thanks for the <clears throat> suggestion um thanks for listening let's continue to spread the word tommy and we appreciate you so top three bottom three Top three Christmas specials, bottom three Christmas specials. All right, my three top. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. Absolutely my favorite Christmas movie. Love it. It's on all day, every day here. 
it's a movie from like 1945, 46. It has Jimmy Stewart in it, who is one of my all-time favorite actors. Um, it's a classic story of redemption and uh, kind of like retrospectively looking back on your life. You know, do, do you know the movie, Stephen? Have you seen it? I have seen it, yeah. And it's not really even a Christmas movie, but um, it is because it, it does like end with Christmas. Like there's a lot more to the movie than just the Christmas part. But I think what happened was like NBC got the rights to the movie and it had been like almost lost for decades. And then they started airing it every Christmas and it became just a huge tradition. Um, but I love it. It's black and white. I think there's a colorized version of it. And, you know, basically <clears throat> the premise is this guy goes through life and then he wishes he, he was never born. And so like his guardian angel comes down from heaven and shows him what his town, what his family, what everybody in his life would be like, had he not been born. And it's tragic. And then of course, you know, like a Christmas Carol, he sees at the end, uh, he sees the error of his ways. And then at the end is redeemed. Uh, sorry to spoil a 80 year old movie for those of you that haven't seen it, but um, you know, and the end scene's great when he comes back and his family's there and, the whole town's there and they they start playing like hark the herald angels sing on the piano and singing and they play old lang sign and <clears throat> it's i don't know it's very moving the ending of it's a wonderful life is absolutely just you know it gets it gets me every time so to speak it gets me every time uh to kind of go into a different direction with favorite christmas movies is the national lampoon's christmas vacation we watch that every year in my family, and it is hilarious. Chevy Chase, Randy Quaid, uh, the young, the guy who was in Big Bang, he's in it, but he's a kid. Um, I can't think of his name. The guy that plays Leonard um, in Big Bang is actually like one of the, the the son in the movie. But it is so funny, so goofy. It's an 80s movie. Um, there's so many one-liners in that movie, and then uh, Randy Quaid's character cousin Eddie makes the movie you know he just sort of shows up in his like RV that's falling apart for Christmas wearing a, a leisure suit and it cracks me up so much um, have you seen have you seen that one I've never heard of it oh my god dude you have to watch that movie and okay like everybody has a cousin Eddie, <laughs> and like you know he basically the premise is Stephen is like Chevy Chase's main character and his family, you know, they're they're going about the normal Christmas season, right? And then, like, the family starts showing up, the grandparents, whatever. They're going to be there for a month. Um, <clears throat> all these things start happening. And then Cousin Eddie, his, like, like uncle's son, or it's, like, some kind of distant relation shows up and is, like, follow, in his RV and is, like, hey, you know, sorry to come unannounced, but we're here for Christmas. And then, like, the movie just sort of goes off the rails from there and it it will literally just crack you up <laughs> okay I, i'm i'm laughing at, but there's a there's a classic scene where you know cousin eddie's um rv's parked out in front of the house and the the like stuck up next door neighbor comes outside one morning and cousin eddie's out there in his bathrobe in the snow smoking a cigar, drinking a beer, and he's dumping brown liquid from the RV into the sewer, and he yells, shitter was full! <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, it's just stuff like that that 
that is hilarious. And then last one, uh, I couldn't really think of another one. I mean, I like Elf, The Grinch, whatever, but I figured I would go ahead and say that Die Hard is my third favorite Christmas Goodbye. movie of all time. Yeah, because, you know, whatever, it's a Christmas movie. The It, it happens a during a Christmas party. And, you know, I know that um, Bruce Willis isn't doing well now, which is sad. He's phenomenal in that movie. And then Alan Rickman plays a very good villain in that movie, too. I watched it a couple years ago for the first time. So those would be my top three. Nice. Um, so, uh, I mean, shout out to Die Hard. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. Um but there are three that stand out to me. Um, I'll start at number three and I'll work back to one. Number three to me is the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Just oh, yeah. Such a classic. It just takes me back to being a kid. And it's such a well put together movie. And I really like movies um, based on Christmas that, that do a good job of explaining Santa Claus and how it works and stuff like that. I always find that fascinating. And the explanation of the fact that... Um, when Santa Claus effectively dies, um, any you know the person who kills him or it gets passed on to the person who finds his suit, and just the the way it explains about him being able to go down chimneys and get around the world and all that sort of thing, it's it's fantastic. It's just such a wonderful film, and I watched that this year while putting up the Christmas tree uh, with Carolyn, and it, yeah, just absolutely brilliant. Number two is Elf. Just a classic. Will That's Ferrell's good. one of my favourite comedy actors, and it's just a fantastic <laughs> cast. And as a whole, it's just a brilliant film. It's a really funny film. Um, it's so stupid, but it's good. <laughs> well, the bizarre thing is that when we got engaged, moments after we got engaged, when I was messaging you, just after I messaged you and told you the news, as we were walking um, down the hill um, in Central Park from where we um, got engaged, we saw this like concert veranda and Carolyn went oh my god it's Buddy the Elf and I turned around and it was literally Buddy the Elf he even looked like Will Ferrell dressed <laughs> as Buddy the Elf was standing there and I was like hey buddy and he waved at me and then, and then it was like I turned around and went, oh my god it's Buddy the Elf he was here for our engagement and I turned around he was gone it was so weird so weird but he does exist apparently I've seen him oh, um, so yeah Elf is number two, um, and number one will always be Jingle All the Way for me with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I've never seen that one. It's, it's the film that defines Christmas for me. I have watched that putting up my parents' Christmas tree every year since I was probably four or five. It's so funny. It's got so many one-liners, so many memorable characters and so many memorable moments on a superb soundtrack. And some people can't stand it because they think it's really cheesy or terrible. But I actually think it's aged like a fine wine. It's so good. It's, I need to it's watch Christmas that. It's Christmas for me. I've watched it every single year at least once. Okay. Since, since I was I'll, basically a baby. I'll watch that and then you watch Christmas Vacation. And watch it with okay. Carolyn and your parents. They'll love it too. It's, it's okay. so... It is so ridiculous. And I'm telling you, Cousin Eddie makes the movie. But mm. no, I've not seen Jingle All the Way. I'm glad you said that because uh, you can see that. Shout out to um, uh, shout out to uh, the, the Christmas Carol animated movie with Jim Carrey that was not that long ago. That, for me, is my favorite Christmas Carol. I absolutely mm. love that one. Um, shout out to, um, oh, what's everyone? Bad Santa. Absolutely love Bad Santa. 
I love Billy that Bob is, Thornton, but I've yeah. not seen Bad Santa. Oh, you'd love that. It's hilarious. It's I've so heard, it's so dark, but it's brilliant. I've heard that the Muppets Christmas Carol, like when John oh, Denver's in it, I've heard that that's really good. Actually. Yeah, it's brilliant. If you like the Muppets, it's a classic. Yeah, some people just don't like them, but yeah, I love the Muppets Christmas Carol. So shout out to that as well. Oh yeah, well you know, and you mentioned you mentioned um, Elf. That's that's a great one. And then what was the first one you mentioned? Or the second one you mentioned? Um, Santa Claus. Yes, yes. Tim Allen. I almost put the Santa Claus on there. That I love that movie. Um, and the, you know, I actually saw the other day. It's actually the title of the movie is spelled Claus with like an E at the end. Yes. You know, and I, I never realized that. You know, and I no. Thought that, For a long time, I didn't realize it was a play on words about the clause in the contract. Yeah. Yeah. Just went so, over my head as a kid. Yeah, I mean, and then shout out to uh, the people who made that movie. That's very clever um, to, to spell it that way. Um, bottom three? Um, so I'll go with um, Deck the Halls with Danny DeVito because it should be really good, but it's really not funny. And I was so disappointed by it. Um Home Alone 3, I'm not a big Home Alone guy, but Home Alone 3 is particularly unwatchable. Cannot stand Home Alone 3. Um, and number one, controversially, It's a Wonderful Life. Ah, oh, no, Stephen, you've you've taken my heart and ripped it out of my body. Horrible. Horrible, yeah. Steve. Do not understand the big deal about It's a Wonderful Life can understand maybe if, if we were around at that time when it first came out, but I genuinely find it so boring I could fall asleep. I, mm-hmm. I've watched it a couple of times and tried to get involved because so many people love it so dearly, but it's one film that actually, if it was on, I would turn it off. I would not sit and have it on in the background. It's so dull. I don't, it, I don't get it. It's, it's, all, it's all for the ending. It's all for the ending. Um, but I get it. I get it. It's an old movie. Um, um, well, funnily enough, I have Home Alone 3 on mine, too. Home Alone 3 sucks. I mean, it's terrible to have made two fantastic Home Alones with Macaulay Culkin and then uh, Pesci and then that other guy, you know, Marv and whatever the characters names are. And then to have the, the old man in the first one, who's maybe the best actor in the whole movie, which <clears throat> the first Home Alone is obviously one of my favorites as well. I just didn't writing in my top three but like the, the third one doesn't even have the main cast in it like why is it called home alone it's stupid um <laughs> and then a nightmare before christmas or the nightmare before christmas whatever it's called i mean i don't know like it's it's okay like it's tim burton it's weird um yeah i'm not a big nightmare before christmas guy yeah you know it's whatever like maybe if i'd seen it when i was a kid I would have liked it better, but don't like it. And then actually, oop, just hit my microphone. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> the last one is the Santa Claus 2 and probably the Santa Claus 3. You know, the first Santa Claus was so good, but the second and third ones were just, ugh. Oh, you know, the second one I really like. Not, it's not it's as good just, as the first, but I like the second one. Maybe because I watched it like 100,000 times when I was a kid, but I'm just, I don't know. Like, they just felt off. For me, those those two did. They didn't. The magic of the first one was not recaptured in the second and third, in my opinion. So mm. that would be it. Um, well, here we are at the end, my friend. This may be the longest episode we've done. We're 
10 minutes shy of two hours and That's it's been a fast two hours <laughs> it's been awesome it's gone so fast yeah it's been great i mean you know here we are rounding off the year with your engagement your trip to new york christmas christmas memories reflections on the year you know there's been plenty of laughs in this one as well and we always hope that our audience has learned something from us too or at least been entertained you know we appreciate you guys listening to the podcast it's Sad in a way to close out 2023, but we're looking forward to 2024. Um, and, you know, this this is it for 2023. I guess, you know, Stephen will, I mean, we'll obviously talk before then, but we'll talk to our audience and the podcast listeners or whatever you want to call them um, next year in January. Yeah, no, it's been it's been really fun doing this um, since since March. And, you know, remarkably, we've kept it up. You know, it's we've done a really good job considering how busy we both are of keeping it fortnightly. And aside from that one time where we failed the recording being <laughs> on time, it's been awesome. It's been like a highlight of every couple of weeks for me is having a chance to sort of sit and catch up with you and a good excuse to just learn more about each other and, and discuss all sorts of things. We've covered so much and I'm really looking forward to next year um, to, to carry this on and you know, see what it's like the second time around, because um, I'm sure it's going to be a big year for both of us. So yeah, yeah. Second trip around the sun. No, it hasn't. I mean, it's it's therapeutic. It's fun. It's it's good. You know, it's funny. Like we just we've known each other for literally ten years, and we know so much about each other. But it's like every time we do this, we learn more about each other, and it's it's so fascinating um, and just so enjoyable too, and natural. You know, it's it's fun to just sit here and ramble and talk and and let the conversation flow so um but as always you know we appreciate our listeners and thank you guys please send in your requests and your thoughts your feedback you know whatever you want us to talk about especially going into a new year you know like give us some ideas if if you are so inclined and we would appreciate that um steven it's been great man um merry christmas yeah, Merry Christmas to you too. And to all the listeners, I hope you all, if you if you celebrate Christmas, have a wonderful time and and a, a happy new year. And hope you have a, a, a happy, healthy, safe, strong um, 2024. Yeah, happy new year, everybody. We'll, uh, we'll see you in 2024. We'll see you on the other side. Um, and I'm yeah. Daniel, Daniel Greer and with me, Stephen Kilby, and this has been the 19th episode of the Neither Here Nor There podcast. Thank you, everybody.